I hate most that we think that our challenges are unique to cybersecurity as opposed to pretty normal historical human challenges. And we don't look outside of our domain often enough for learnings and potential solutions. Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of Audience First. We have yet again a very special guest with us today. Today we have Dutch Schwartz on the call with us. Dutch, welcome to the show. Thanks. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Are you recovering from reInvent? Um, I actually just had a couple of uh, meetings, like kind of, so I was really kind of like a smoke jumper, right? I came, I, t- I talked to a couple of folks, but uh, I was not um, in the officially like part of the the meetings, you know what I mean? So I have been in years past going from, you know, meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, and, and it can get really tiring. It's energi- energizing because you're meeting tons and tons of people, but it can get tiring. But no, I just had a couple of meetings that were sort of adjacent, if that makes sense, because people happen to be there. So I came in for a couple of meetings. So no, I, I this time, reinforce, yes. I was pretty exhausted after reinforce, which is our more, you know, security specific one in my case. Um, but uh, no, luckily I was I just had a couple of kind of meetings that were sort of off to the side. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, for sure. So Dutch, tell me a little bit about yourself. What I functionally do is act as a cloud security strategist. So what that means really in a day-to-day, week in, week out kind of situation is uh, I mostly work with CISOs. I mean, also, you know, architects and, and the rest of the teams, but sort of like my typical conversation would be with the CISO at a large uh, enterprise company. And that's only relevant because sometimes it's, of course, different for SMB or if I was in a, you know, uh, NGOs or charities or other things, you have a little bit different kind of customers and so forth. Um, but anyways, yeah, so cloud security strategies is kind of the least amount of words that I can use to describe what that looks like, right? So that is um, somewhere on my cloud journey. In in my case, the folks that I'm talking to are probably many years or at least, you know, several years into a cloud journey. And they're still, you know, m- moving um, thoughtfully taking pieces, whether that be workloads or whatever, or creating new things in the cloud. And so really, in, in that sense, it's my responsibility, to, along with my team, to kind of just guide them, right, to give them options like, hey, um, we don't do all of the things, right? And so here are the things that we might support you with. And so a lot of that is kind of asking lots of questions and doing lots of whiteboarding, trying to understand um, not, not only what we're trying to do, because we're really good at describing what, but why we're trying to do that thing. Um, so that's really kind of my job is to ask a lot of why questions and understand what does this tie to from a business standpoint, right? And that's really kind of been the 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 vibe over the last few years, right? Is sort of um, not keyboard up, but right business down, if if that makes sense. So so that's what I do kind of in a day to day. And why do I do it? Um, you know, I enjoy the opportunity to kind of I hope um, create a, a path for folks because there's still a lot of a lot of learning um, in cloud. And again, that specific doesn't, doesn't matter which you know, a vendor or anything, but just the 
acceleration and adoption of the cloud, there's still a lot of growth. I mean, so it feels a little bit like me being old um, to the mid nineties in terms of networking, right? Mm -hmm. Or things weren't really all sort of settled. And that's a fun time. It's chaotic. It can feel chaotic when you're in the midst of it sometimes, but it's super exciting because there's all kinds of new ideas popping off, right? And so there's, uh, there's moments like that. And I say moments, but I mean, the last a few years where you can really come in and when you're, you're able to pull from multiple uh, kind of domains that in moments like that, it's really fun, right? And it's really useful. And I, and I lived through it again, kind of in the storage realm. Um, and then uh, networking kind of got, um, for me anyway, pretty pretty kind of uh, stayed and sort of blasé. And then I, I went into security a number of years ago. So, so that's why I do it. So I, I hope um, that uh, I'm solving problems. I mean, that's certainly how I think about what I do. So that's my, that's my intention anyway, is to help people solve problems. What do you hate most about the cybersecurity industry? Um, what do I hate most? I hate most that we think that our challenges are unique to cybersecurity as opposed to pretty normal historical human challenges. And we don't look outside of our domain often enough for learnings and potential solutions. And wow. here's what I mean. So the first CIOs were arguably in 1981. The mm -hmm. white paper on that on this topic in the book came out around the same time. Um, and interesting, the white paper, I could find it. it has a really nerdy title because, of course, you know, we're super techie. I went and found that because I thought this is this is not the first time we've lived through this kind of a moment, right? Where the, the role and the function of a CISO and, their, and therefore the teams are starting to kind of come into more focus. And I went back to my own history. I'm like, well, we, we went through this in IT, you know, and so... There's, I think, an, a natural narrowing that goes, and you're like, oh, these are my unique snowflake problems. No, they're, they're not. These mm -hmm. problems have been, <laughs> been run into over and over because large groups of people have these kinds of challenges. It's just, you know, so that's what I wish. I wish that we would spend more time. Um, I wish we had more uh, industrial organizational psychologists. I wish we had more anthropologists, the social sciences, other sciences, frankly. You know, so I love it um, when people come in, you know, from different backgrounds because I think it's way more likely that you, if you have a completely different background, Danny, you're going to have a, not even a unique, but you're going to take something that you know and apply it uniquely, right, to, to a problem that, that you and I are facing. So that's, um, that's what I think. Um, what about you? What do I, oh, what do I hate most about? Wow, that's a, nobody's asked me that. Well, I'd so, love to know your point of view. You asked these to, questions, hmm. so I'd love to hear what you think. Way to turn the table. Wow. Um <clears throat> Well, there are a few things. Let me see what, what what most ticks me off these days. The ineffective um, methods of communication, not just from the business side, aka marketing sales, but also vice versa. Um, mm -hmm. The tech to to the business side as well. Um, just so these what do you think on, what, silos what, what of communication. Think? Yeah, what what on what's driving that? What what's the is that an unintentional outcome? Like, why does that happen? I think it's unintentional. I think it's lack of curiosity. Um, mm, large, largely lack of curiosity. Um, I know that's a huge assumption to make uh, about people, but um, I think it's stress as well. Stress in the industry to get places quickly, um, which uh, you know cause people to bypass research and bypass some legwork that's required to communicate efficiently. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's la lack of resources and training in how to communicate efficiently and effectively. 
Do you, do you feel like that's on both sides? And yeah, if I say it's both two sides, sides right? It's, it's on both two, sides. Yeah, yeah, both sides. Yeah. And again, it's siloing. If you say both sides, it's it's as an industry. I think sure. that's that's an issue uh, yeah. across the board in different functions and roles and departments. So, from a formal education and informal training programs, are we? To, or again, unintentionally, are we focusing on the wrong things? So we're not teaching these. Do you think that's part of that gap? I'm not sure we're che- teaching the wrong things per se. Well, I could. I think we might be teaching some outdated things. Mm. Um, not necessarily the wrong things in some instances. I don't think some things are prioritized. Uh, you could get the resources to learn effective communication and learn how to research and learn how to speak to people and and learn how to translate. Uh, you know, words or translate concepts into words and other concepts that resonate with people that matter to you. I just don't think that's prioritized. But again, those are my opinions and it could be different. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's a combination of things because to your second point around training, I, I think I suspect that we're, we've lost something in terms of in the 90s, um, you could come in and there was tons of opportunities. There was tons of programs, right, that I recall, right? So most large companies had tons of, in- not even just internships, but also training programs, right? And there's a lot of, um, we didn't call it that at the time, but today I guess we call it upskilling and reskilling. Like it was just mm-hmm. sort of a, na- a standard thing. There was just lots of training options. That's what I recall, right? At big companies, I came out of the military and went to a big company. I started a small company, two in a row, actually, I guess two startups in a row. But then when I, as soon as I got to, and I expected that to be bootstrap, like normal, you know, you what we would call a hip pocket training in the military, right? Mm-hmm. So you just learn stuff on the fly and you teach me and go great. And then I, and I just run with it, right? And that was pretty normal to me. But as soon as I got to a large corporation, there's just tons of, of, of training opportunities about communication and about different um, uh, leadership programs. There's just tons and tons of stuff. And I feel like as I lived through 99, 2000, right, the dot-com, that stuff got slashed, right? Mm. And I feel like to a degree, and again, I don't have evidence, but my, my recollection is most of that stuff never came back. Mm. And then we lived through 2008, 2009, and so then it absolutely got crushed, right? And so yeah. I think we lose something from a mentorship you know, um, and formal training, because they both have a place, right? Some people, because of the modalities that they prefer to learn, right? I certainly have trained folks who they really want a structured training program, you know, and kind of a classic, you know, what are we about to learn? Here's my agenda. And, da, da, da. and some people just absorb that way. Some people like to read it first and, and then hear it from you and then put, you know, whatever that execution, you know, drive the car or put their hands on the keyboard, whatever that kind of that functional learning is. Um, and then some people learn better informally by asking questions and they're, and they're, well, then they're more comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And some people just don't want to do that. But we've, I feel like we've, we, we, ha- we must be losing out by not having that kind of robustness of options that we used to have. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's part of it. Um, and then you kind of touched on this a little bit. My, my sense is that we've leaned really heavily into the technology, which I love full stop. So don't write me angry emails. Um, huge fan. Right. Um, but uh, what I hear from, especially folks who've been even maybe in the middle, what they feel like maybe is kind of the middle of their cybersecurity journey. And they tell me they didn't receive training, to your point. Well, let's say they have a degree. They didn't get a lot of training around communication skills, interpersonal skills, how to build a business case. You know, all these all these things that we, we, we say soft skills. And I'll t- talk about that in a second. But those are critical as you 
as you, if you decide to, now, if you want to be a cybersecurity architect or an engineer, answer responder forever, cool. Like I'm not suggesting anybody needs to make a move, but, but for folks I talk to who are kind of on a journey, whether it be up or sideways, they've, they've told me pretty explicitly, Hey, I'd never got that. I never mm. got that either in formal training, uh, in, 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 a, you know, in, in university or wherever they went. Again, maybe that's changing more today. And so I'd have to kind of dip in and ask, you know, other folks, but that's what I, what I hear is that they, not, they feel like they're not getting those skills. So then to your point, maybe if I'm a super self-starter, right, I'm going to go try to learn those either through a mentor or through a community, through, you know, uh, take your pick, you know, some kind of association that I'm in, but it, mm-hmm. that really puts the onus on the individual learner. Some people aren't, aren't, aren't as comfortable or maybe don't even aware. like, like, how do I start learning? I mean, if you don't know, they never taught you how to learn, then it's really hard. Yeah. And the, and certain education systems, I would suggest the American education system in, in public schools. And I've graduated public schools, but if you know, my parents were always most concerned about, are you learning how to learn? I don't really care mm-hmm. if you learn the facts. It's fine. My dad was really, really specific. Like, are you learning how to learn? That's what I care about. That's yeah. the critical thing. Right. Yeah. And I don't think we teach critical thinking and the scientific method and tools that would help people mm-hmm. um, teach themselves. So mm-hmm. now you're like, well, that's no surprise that people feel this sort of, you know, either angstiness or frustration or being let down to a degree because we didn't give them the training and the coaching and the tools early, early in their career that they could then apply later. And then frankly, help others pull up others. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. my, that's my thought on that. No, I love it. And it takes me to kind of my next point is that yeah. there's, there's focus. And I think it's a big issue and irks me a little bit is making things harder than they should be the focus on complexity versus simplicity. Um, and I think that's just huge in this industry right now, which is a problem. Um, and there are a lot of Tell reasons. Tell me more for about it. that. Why do you, what, what's like, like well, give me an example without like, no, don't <laughs> back well, the truck okay. up, but yeah, like, give me so, an example of how that plays out. Like, how do you see that kind of in the industry? Like, what, what would that look like? By the way, I'm going totally stealing back the truck up. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, well, if you know, if I, if you, if you view, view it from my lens of the world, the marketing, the marketing world, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm going through this right now with my own message, right? Just say what it is. You know, simply. you don't, you don't, yeah, simply just say what it is in clear terms. Like, <laughs> you don't have to make up new words for it. You don't have to make up some quirky, you know, theme or, you know, uh, tagline. Just say what it is from a product perspective. Make the journey simple, right? Make the mm. product simple to use doesn't have to necessarily be easy but it needs to be simple and practical and pragmatic um you know from a training perspective you know learn how to learn you facts Mm -hmm. will come learn how to learn you know do it pragmatically um i'd say from from overall an industry right there's so much technology which creates complexity in and of itself right Mm -hmm. for the buyer so how how do people already trying to solve some massive challenges and life-threatening challenges in some some regards, right? Because sure. even if it's from a financial perspective, that could be not life-threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we reduce that complexity for the buyer with all the stuff that we're throwing at them? And that's the whole point of this podcast and my initiative is like, how do we reduce complexity as much as possible through understanding? 
Right. So I think that that's overall kind of my thinking is is in in my my beef with with the industry is this is that people just need to simplify as much as and you know it's easy to say right. Yeah. It's not easy so to do. so what what's what's a way to to plus one that you know how do you, if you're on the you know if you're acquiring technology in addition to highlighting where there's a gap right and hey I wish you know how do we highlight when people are doing a great job of like, Hey, this is what, this is what excellent looks like. Like do this thing, do these kinds of things. Like how do we shine a light on those, those moments, you know, when people are actually to your point, talking about it, simply highlighting what it is and then you make like, what's, what's, what's good look like? Like, do we have examples of that? Maybe I'm going to start a swipe file. Cause I have a, an example of what bad looks like. <laughs> I have well, a what's lot good of look like, right? I mean, but if you're on a train yeah. somebody, right. I'd, I'd want to know like, what's good look like. Yeah, you know, not, not not pejoratively, but like I mean, even if it's notional at this point, like what would good if I guess we could back the truck up again, like what would good look like? What right. would good look like? And then we mm-hmm. can start looking for uh, instances of that, or instances that are like, oh, there, this is the right path. Like get, we're mm-hmm. getting close, you know, mm-hmm. to what that looks like. Yeah, I have a few examples. I'll list them yeah. here, um, but I think more importantly for the practitioners listening in on this episode. Mm-hmm. What does the good look like? I urge those who are listening to share good examples because yeah. we're good at sharing bad examples and flipping the script and showing the alternative, but showing what good looks like is is great. And I've had a few instances where buyers show me what good lo- goods lo- good looks like from either an outreach perspective. I've heard you do that. And at least the ones I recall were impromptu, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. gets you kind of a different spark, right? So, so, but I'd be interested, like, like, let's build a catalog of good also. So, or yeah. start to build somewhere where there would be a catalog of good. So, if I was that, you know, that, that self motivated learner and yeah. I was just coming into insert thing here, marketing, I'm marketing and communications manager, and, you know, and early in my career, I could go somewhere and be like, oh, look, here's 20 examples of, what good mm-hmm. looks like. So then it's not just sort of my, my opinion or my view of what, like, Hey, look, this is kind of what industry folks are telling me. And they're ultimately the, the people I'm trying to, you know, trying to connect with. Um, maybe I should reshape again to your point earlier, right? The, the language, the simplicity, the messaging, you know, that might be cool to see. Well, I mean, so you tell me what's one thing that you've experienced that was a great, that was great in the industry. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'll um, I will absolutely go right back to somebody else because it's not my idea, right? So Olivia Rose, uh, so multi-time CISO, um, big fan, um, and I I did something on this recently, and and I, I can't remember where I even heard it from her the first time. It could have been in person, it mm-hmm. might have been on the I, I don't remember, but but she was I think, and it was kind of impromptu, but somebody's asking her sort of the same question, and uh, and she said, look, I, I want to hear three things. Okay, so again, as a CISO at scale, right? Um, number one, what is the thing, you know? And, and when I coach other people, I'm like, tell, tell it to me in 15 words or less, or else it mm-hmm. gets too like the race. So I have to kind of bound it a little bit. So, cause it forces you to be really, you have economy of the words, right? That each word has to land as if we were writing a play or as if we were writing a joke or, or a tagline, right? each word has to be the exactly the minimal amount of words. Boom. So what is this thing? Number one, number two, what challenge does it solve? 20 mm-hmm. words. That's all you get. 20 words. What does it solve? If it's going to take you four sentences, you're too long, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. 20 words or less. And then the third thing, and this is what Olivia says, and, and I agree with her um, having now sort of put into my list of, of questions to ask. And what does this mean to me if I'm the peer of that CISO? 
And I, and, I, and I like that kind of shift, right? Because if we say just the CISO, again, the presumption is we're all super technically you know, deep, which is, which is not wrong, by the way. But so then I can kind of stay in my nerd lane, right? And still, and still keep using acronyms. And stuff. But what does it mean to the peer, right, of the CISO? Meaning that's sort of proxy for saying, what does it mean to the business, right? Um, I love also Steve Zalewski's line uh, when he was the CISO for Levi's, when he would say, how does this help me sell more jeans? Mm-hmm. You know, if, as a security vendor, if you can't come and tell me as the CISO how this helps me sell more jeans, then you need to do, wait until you can tell me that because <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to know that. Right. And I love that. Again, these are simple things, but it's trying to shift the discussion. Right. Because the technical discussion will happen. I had a, a CISO approach me. A, this is probably a few years ago. Um, and I was at an event. Um, it probably doesn't matter. It was probably like an Avanta style event, you know, where I was just CISOs and I guess so, so I was there representing a, a security vendor um, and he came up. I sort of knew him through other people, but I didn't know him really personally. And he's like, hey, um, tell me about something. You know, da, 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 da. And I said, hey, do you want me to like dive into the tech? I'm super. He's like, he goes, no. <laughs> he's like, I'm just going to presume the tech works kind of as you as you're describing or you wouldn't be around for X number of years. <laughs> he's like, and if it gets interesting, he's like, don't worry, my people will vet that. Mm. Tell me about you. Like, why are you guys doing this? Why is this your pro? And that's a great reframing right there, right? Because it's so easy because it's tangible to go right down to the key. I said the keyboard, but, you know, go right down to the white paper, go right down to the spec sheet, go right down to the keyboard, right? Because humans just tend to do that, right? We like certainty. The, the timing is important, right? If I don't understand your challenge, you personally, and and also in scope, like for your org, um, how can I possibly give you a good recommendation? But I find people come unprepared and to be candid again, like the community, the community is often unprepared. Um, having been on kind of the different sides of this equation, there have been moments where I've asked an executive or, or team of, of pretty senior executives, Hey, how does this map to a specific business initiative? And then there's semi awkward silence because they're really comfortable telling me their strategic security initiatives which is cool. I'm happy to vibe out on that. Right. But I'm like, well, how does this tie to one of your business initiatives? And we're back to that gap, right? Because we're so, you know, so fixated on, I'm going to do X, Y, Z because of insert matrix, insert framework. I love all those things, by the way. Right. I, I talk about for hours, um, but that's not the business problem. It doesn't help me find the CMO or the CRO or that VP of, of product and, you know, in the Nordics, how does that help them? And so that's, I think the critical question is that third one. How does it help the, the peer of the CISO? So mm-hmm. does that land with you? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I want you to take me through a little bit how you prepare for these advisory calls, because a lot of the sure. listeners um, for audience first and also for, for the other podcast, what the fuck did I just read? Mm-hmm. Want to shift from being, you know, BDRs or AEs to advisors for the buyer. Sure. So what would be some practical steps to shift from being a seller in quote unquote to a trusted advisor like you? Yeah. So, so it, it takes time. I mean, so to be fair, right. So you have to put some, some reps in. So I I think it starts with, um, you mentioned this earlier and and I will just plus 1000 you, and that is, you have to be authentically curious. Like you have to be interested, right? You have to be interested in what the other, not only the other person, but the, the whatever that, whatever the, their 
reason for being, you know, in the world is you got to be interested in that because if you don't, like, it's really quick to, you know, a four or five year old can tell immediately if the person really means the thing they're saying or they, they don't mean the thing they're saying. Right. So you have to be authentic. Right. And so you have to be really interested in like, I don't know anything about the logistics industry, Dandy. And like, I have to want to know about that to, 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 to connect with you. Right. Cause it's very likely that that's something that's important to you. If that's, you know, if that's the, the type of company that you're in. So one is, is simply do the, the research, you know, I mean, read up on the company, read what, 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 cause especially now, right. There's things are, are, are awfully visible. Right. I mean, so it, let's just do simple things, right. Read their annual report or 10 K depending on which flavor you have or their, or their, anal you know, the analogy, depending on which, if you're in another country, right. But read, read that, right. Read their quarterly reports, their, their, their 10 Qs. If they have one, if they're, they're going to be a U.S. based company, but there's an analogy in most, in most countries, uh, read the comments, uh, the public comments from the company. Um, and then <clears throat> those are all like just, you know, simple research that you can do. Try to understand the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Because your challenges will feel different to you if you're in mining and manufacturing than if you're in energy, than if you're in healthcare, right? So you have to spend some time trying to get to understand that that space that they're in because their challenges will, maybe they'll be overlapping, maybe they'll be similar, but they'll feel, but they'll feel unique, right, to them. And what are their constituents or customers care about because that's really you're in service you're all in service to that right i mean so when you're talking with somebody in healthcare life sciences that is a very different vibe and a conversation than if i'm talking to somebody in the defense industry uh, or if i'm talking to somebody who's in media and entertainment right um so you've got to try to get to like what does this mean to your people like the the, the actual thing that we're doing for a living um and, and understand that so what what you bring to the table potentially is context. Um, and I take that from a conversation where, where I had an, a sort of an, an aha moment, um, or as um, Samuel Jackson said, right, an epiphany, uh, right, in the movie Pulp Fiction, where I was leaving a meeting um, with a really large financial, it doesn't really matter, but a really from large financial services corporation that will be relevant in a second. And as we're leaving, I asked the, the, the CISO, hey, just curious, like, why do you take meetings? Like, what is it what would lead you to take a meeting? And, and this is the financial side, because you could pretty much buy anybody if you wanted to. I mean, you have the the access to capital. You, you could buy a lot of solutions and frankly, a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. And his answer was really thoughtful. He said, you know, I can pull my phone out right now and, and hit up, you know, 10 other CISOs that are all in my space. Because we all, of course, we all know each other. I could go to ISAC or ISAC or whatever their version of that is right in their space um, and talk to 60, 70 people. Um, he said, how many do you know? Mm -hmm. And more importantly, are they all in different fields, like mm -hmm. based on your background? And uh, that was a really interesting observation from, from his standpoint. And I said, well, it's, it's you know, it's, it's certainly hundreds. And yeah, it's a lot of different industries, you know, and at this stage in my career. And he said, right, so who has better context? Me or you? He's like, you do. You know, and I thought that was really forward thinking. He said, I said, so was there a specific thing today? Because we weren't really even talking. Because I said, take tech out of it, like a specific technology. And he said, I had unknown unknowns, right? The, the Rumsfeld thing, right? I wasn't really sure. He's like, I had something happen in my environment. And I just mm -hmm. felt my spider senses were tingling. He goes, and when that happens, and I'm talking to my directs, and, you know, my teams, and I feel like something's sort of unsettled or I'm not really sure where it's going to head. He's like, I will bring in like four or five people like you. And again, that's not about me specifically, but I mean, that type of person where I'm looking, I don't know really what I'm missing. And I want people to give me some context. And sometimes that's as simple as, um, 
here's I've oh I've seen this issue or think maybe I've seen this issue and it happened to be in energy and now you're seeing the same thing in financial services right those conversations again if they're authentic and genuine um you know and transparent that moves people forward right it's mm-hmm. a totally different conversation than hey look I have this can and it's green and red and it you know it does these things I mean that's that's very 1950s to me anyway I don't remember, by the way. Yeah, it helps. And I don't remember the last time I had Mountain Dew. Holy moly. <laughs> what nostalgia. It, it has the most caffeine, Danny, of any, of any really? off the shelf. Yes. that's why, why do you think people drink Mountain Dew? I have no, reason, I, I know Monster, but I don't know. That's fair. But there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, so like of those like terrible chemicals, like Mountain Dew, I'm not seeing I'm going to have angry, angry calls from, from people. But no, that's why it was always like Diet Mountain Dew and Mountain Dew. Like my old days, like I'm sitting, you know, I have this great picture of, I was working on a wireless project and we were about to go live. Right. And they were filming it. Cause it was like, it, you know, it was, it was a higher pressure situation. Let's say. And I just remember like looking over at my, my senior essay and it was a great picture because we've been working all night. Right. And he literally has like a giant, like, you know, sp- coffee espresso, like on one hand and a, and a yeah. guy Mountain Dew in the other, well, you know, and two keyboards. And it's like the class, like I wish I had that picture. I don't know where that picture is, but, but no, Mountain Dew is always like, that was kind of litmus test. If you were, you weren't really a tech team, you know, you weren't really a tech team if you, there wasn't access to Mountain Dew somewhere, I guess this is maybe 10, 15 years ago, but everybody had, cause they had the most caffeine in the same way that yeah. Dunkin' Donuts has the most, or at least it did. When I was in the army, everybody got Dunkin' Donuts, not Starbucks because Dunkin' Donuts had more caffeine. Oh, so wow. We, oh, we ferret that out, right? You got to have the caffeine injection. Oh, so. I'm, I love caffeine by the way. So, <laughs> hey, no judgment here. All right. So this is, um this is a nice segue. I mean, you, and we, touched on this a little bit and we riffed on it before hitting the big red button for recording. Um, Take me through, because you mentioned, you know, you ran some marketing teams and right. And you were in sales at some, some function or supporting there um, from the vendor side. What do you think are some cardinal rules, uh, security vendors, marketers, sales, what's above, below and in between are breaking these days. You have to spend time, in the field, whatever in the field means, you know, in your scenario, you spend time in the field, um, just gathering empirical data, right? Right. So like, you know, the, the Western scientific method is I have a hypothesis, right? I try to disprove it myself. And then I go out and I build a whole bunch of cases to prove that I was correct in my hypothesis. Totally valid, totally valid approach, right? Empirical research is I'm going to go out and just listen. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you questions and try to understand I had a marketing team sort of accidentally, if that makes sense. I happened to be a big company and, and, and things had been shifted. And so I took over multiple teams at the same time. In other words, yeah. I'm not just to be clear, like as I'm not a trained marketing person by background. So perhaps because of that, I probably asked wacky questions because mm-hmm. I, I didn't always know. And it dawned on me at one point that my team, such as it was, 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 was all sitting at corporate or they were sitting in an office. I happened to be in the corporate headquarters, but I had people in different buildings. But I'm looking at and I'm thinking, and I said, when's the last time you talked to a customer? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being pointed or like trying to be, you know, make a jab. I truly was new to understanding this. And mm-hmm. there was sort of like just crickets and tumbleweeds, you know. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. How, how have we not talked to customers, you yeah. know? And because I had been in other roles that were very much like day in, day out. And it was sort of, you know, always in front of a customer. Yeah. And then the sort of answer I got was well, like, oh, we do insert trade show name here, right? And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's a thing. I mean, so in some sense, you get a lot of at-bats, like you chat with a lot of folks. So there's some utility for sure. But mm-hmm. I'm like, have you, so then I made it a thing. 
<laughs> because that was the, the director. So I'm like, okay, so everybody's going to travel once a quarter and you're going to mm-hmm. go. And my suggestion or strong recommendation is like one of those trips should be with somebody who's really senior at our company. And it's a very mature slash complex customer. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. go meet somebody who has only been here for 30 days. And maybe you don't even meet with the customer or meet with a partner. Just go sit with them. Mm-hmm. And hang out and watch what they do and understand how they approach being an AE, being a sales rep, being an SC and SA, all the titles or, you know, a, whatever they, they were. Cause we had, te- you know, technical folks as well. So, um, and just go spend time with them. I don't know yes. what you'll learn, but I promise you'll learn something. I don't know mm-hmm. what it'll be, but I want you to go find an insight. And the only way that I'm aware of doing that besides just, again, sitting, you know, with, so you, with yourself, when you don't have enough data is to go gather empirical evidence mm-hmm. and I don't know where it will lead, but it will lead us somewhere that we're not today. Well, a bit, you know, you mentioned go sit with them, which I would love to sit with a practitioner sure. in the trenches, but that is that realistic? Yeah, it depends. Yeah. And, and, and so in that particular instance, um, we were embedded into people's process. Uh, so yeah. we could go do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to think of a clean example I give you. So at a period in time later, but it's the same type of company, we were building a solution that then GE wrapped into their solution, right? So I could actually go in, right? So you're right. I mean, if, if you're not, and that, there's a physicality to that that allowed me, right, right to go do that. So I don't mm-hmm. know what the, the exact path would be today to do that, but I would encourage people to figure that out. Like, how can yeah. I go spend time with you? So maybe I can't literally, you know, do it, but then use the community to try to understand that, right? I can still, um, I, get hit, I'm, you know, I get hit up with questions every week that I don't know the, I don't know the answer to. And, mm-hmm. the, and, and so I have a combo of things. One is I have some standing calls with peers of mine mm-hmm. that, that I don't air quotes. I don't, I don't work with them. They're really just people. And we just have a standing call. We have no agenda. It would be like, you and I having a call every, you know, the first Tuesday of every month. And we just sort of, sometimes we just chat about our kids and the industry and our spouses or whatever, but, but often we'll be like, Hey, somebody hit me up with this question or, Hey, somebody hit me up with this idea. Or have you ever seen a slide that shows these two things combined? And so because it's, we have a standing call, like it's kind of a safe spot to do that. Mm-hmm. And then other ones are impromptu because somebody's asked me a question. There's enemies timely. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they, and, and so um, when I get asked a question like that, I'll say, Hey, I can give you my answer. Like I can tell you what I've personally seen and I can tell you sort of the official textbooks answer, you know, what that is, how much time do we have? If we have time, um, I'm going to go call Gary Hayslip and Alan Alford and Sean Bowen and, you know, and Dan Walsh. And I'm going to go down the list and maybe I won't get everybody rock Lambros, but I'm going to try to hit four or five people with who have different backgrounds on purpose mm-hmm. and go, Hey, somebody asked me this question about X, Y, Z. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's an example where right? yeah. so they call you and go, Hey, I'm trying to think of going, somebody asked me, how do you, um, document, um, transference of risk? I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of a, kind of a clean, easy one. Right. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I can tell how, like, I can tell how we do it, you know? And I think I can tell you how, but I'm like, yeah, let me just maybe, and also things fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I'll just like send out, you know, whatever Slack message signal, whatever, like, Hey, da, 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 you know, and I'll get back four or five answers. And sometimes I'm like, okay, cool. So kind of how I think about it is probably the norm. And sometimes mm-hmm. people give me a totally different answer. Oh no, we use X, Y, Z. And those quick answers like that will help put you in the right or the right lane. You know what I mean? To, to answer that question. So right. that kind of, was that, did I get to kind of the answer your 
100%. Yeah, 100%. I love this. So we're heading towards the end of the session. Um, no. And I, I, yeah, I know, I know, but we keep it, we keep it, we keep it pretty, uh, pretty short because you know sure. attention spans these days. But um, I mean, obviously, you're more than welcome to come back to the show, and we can continue. Thank repeating. you. Appreciate um, it. But uh, is there anything you want to impart on the audience today before we sign off? I would impart on the audience. Oh, I have so many things. Um, oh, so yeah. two okay. things. I'm going to give you two things. One, I think that cognitive biases are likely an underlying impact to why we continue to be challenged with solving. We're never going to solve it, but I mean, getting better at, at, at cybersecurity. So I, I would encourage people, if that's interesting to you, to go, go, go dig into that and think about how could a cognitive bias be impacting your decision tree mm-hmm. that you're making. So that would be one thing. And the second thing is uh, we kind of touched on it, but we've skirted around it. And that was soft skills. So I'll leave mm-hmm. everybody with a message if they haven't heard me talk about this before. Soft skills, that phrase, that specific phrase was, I'll, I'll say it, invented by a researcher at the behest of the U.S. Army. Okay, And when they were doing this research, that word, those two words didn't mean what, they, what we think they mean today. When they did the research, they were categorizing tasks that people, leaders, were doing. And it was simply, are these related to turning a wrench, using a weapon, a piece of equipment? And, and it was everything else, right? And so the researcher just called those soft skills, mm-hmm. right? I wish in, with, a, with the lens of history, it would have been essential skills or people skills or any other phrase because it took on a connotation. If you look at the engram of when it became popular and it died off and it came back again, when it came back, there's sort of this, at least in American English, there's a connotation, right? That, well, soft is not hard. And also soft is not tough, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, right? So it gets kind of muddled up. And so we've kind of had this stigma almost around soft skills that I think unintentionally created a barrier to people learning them. They're not soft mm-hmm. skills. That's never what they, the army invented it. That's not what they meant. I'm promising people. I've read the white paper. You can go read it. You know, I'm happy to share that. But they meant people skills, and those are more likely to be the differentiator for you if you're going to lead a team, uh, even a small team, right? Of course, you have to have technical acumen. Please don't send me angry. Like, I don't, I don't hate service. I'm, of course, you have to have domain experience and technical acumen. Given, that's table stakes, right? I believe that, absolutely. But there's mm-hmm. some, at some point in your career or in your job, you know, that that it's not just 10,000 hours, right? If you if you recall how Malcolm Gladwell popularized that idea, right? It's range, right? Which is mm-hmm. David Epstein's book, right? So it's more likely to me, based on all of the history that I read, it's more likely to me that range and somebody from an adjacent field will solve a problem in a unique way. So how do you stretch yourself? And also, if you've transitioned into cybersecurity, which most people have, many people have, right? From another field, from the military, from you were a single parent, whatever the background was, all of those learnings that you had before this, they're still valuable. They're mm-hmm. still valuable. Bring those with you. Bring all of that stuff with you. Not just, I have, you know, X, Y, Z, capture the flag. and da-da. Those are all awesome, right? But don't forget all the other things that you learned along the way, because we have a lot of problems to solve. Totally love this. This is awesome. Dutch, always a pleasure. I know we chatted. Great to see you. Three yeah. months ago or so, yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, good to see you. And hopefully in person soon. I would love that. That'd be great. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.